study of birds called ornithology has changed a lot over the years. Tree leaders helped to define the movement. While John Audubon expanded the idea of what should be studied about birds, Ludlow Riscombe helped to develop how they should be studied. Roger Torrey Patterson developed his own system that helped to simplify these ideas so that anyone, even you, could easily spot particular birds. What they all shared is a passion for birds. How it began? John Audubon, a famous wildlife artist in the early 1800s, had no formal training in the study of birds and was often criticized by his wife's family for forever wasting his time hunting, drawing, and stuffing birds. We fear he will never be fit for any practical purpose on the face of this earth. However, Audubon was able to turn his passion for birds into a career. His love of the then emerging science called ornithology helped draw attention to the field. Ornithology in the 1800s concentrated on the study of a bird's ancestry and our relationship to different groups of birds. However, Audubon introduced the idea of studying a bird's behavior. He was interested in studying a bird's habits, mating rituals, migration, nests, and nest building activities. Perhaps his greatest contribution to ornithology was the completion of the ornithological biography. A series of five books covering almost 500 birds. Published in the 1830s, it validated Audubon's skill as a scientist rather than simply a wildlife artist. Much of Audubon's study and drawings came from birds that he had shot to examine. In his early 20s, in Louisville, Kentucky, Audubon and a friend cut a hole in a tree that was a known roost for swifts. After Audubon determined that there were thousands of swifts in the tree, the men proceeded to catch and kill 115 of them to study. On another occasion in the field, Audubon was intrigued by a flock of herons and proceeded to kill and study them, only to find that birds had already been researched by another ornithologist. Audubon wasn't doing anything out of the ordinary for the time period. During the early 19th century, hunting, collecting, as well as displaying animal trophies and stuffed preserved animals was popular. Changing Minds In the 20th century, conservation groups became established and concern grew slaying grew among the public over the slaying of birds for scientific purposes as well as for use in clothes and hats. 
ornithologists decided to reconsider their methods over time studying birds in their natural setting without killing the bird came became favored to the shotgun school method one ornithologist who believed in this idea was Ludlow Griscom I started learning local birds back in 1898 he said in New York City unlike Boston an interest in birds was interspectable it just wasn't done you could hunt and shoot birds but you couldn't just ogle them Griscom relied on field observation and his ability to correctly identify a bird at a distance was often questioned by traditional ornithologists once out in the field with an ornithologist who still believed in killing birds to identify them griscom identified the female cape may warbler to be sure the traditional ornithologist killed the bird which turned out to be a female cape may warbler after several other correct identifications by griscom the traditionalist was convinced that killing birds wasn't always necessary griscom's technique of field observation was simple i keep a daily record book which enters the field trip the list of birds seen careful counts or estimates of the number of individuals of every species and sufficient notes on the weather and migration from this it is a simple matter to draw off the data from any particular area in which i am working at the moment however even griscom felt that sometimes killing birds to study them was okay considerable experience in the field work has convinced me that the securing of the specimen either for exact identification of rare stragglers or for the enrichment of the local highly educational exhibition collections of the museums properly devoted to this purpose does to advance the interests of science modern thinking both audubon and griscom's influence over ornithology is best shown in roger tory peterson's work not only did peterson work with griscom but peterson like audubon spent a lot of time drawing birds like audubon and griscom Peterson's love of bird watching was simply a hobby at first. I was fascinated by birds and that set me distinctly apart. He said of growing up in the early 1900s. Where I grew up 
and throughout the nation bird watchers were rare they were considered cooks however it became a career for him when he compiled his information into a 1934 book a field guide to the birds he was clear on what set him apart other ornithologists had worked out the field marks of most birds i combined their knowledge with my visual presentation and carried the idea through Peterson's book introduced the Peterson identification system traditional field identification required a bird watcher to identify practically everything on the bird from its markings and the color to the size of its body feet wings claws and the beak Peterson's system enabled bird watchers to identify birds by recognizing only a few unique physical traits it uses field marks which are like a bird's fingerprints except that they are in the form of a certain color or shape of a bird's face wings wingtips tail or body bird brain love at first sight because of something called imprinting some birds may be confused about exactly who their mother is imprinting a term first used by austrian zoologist loren isley refers to a period of time in a bird's life when it bonds with its mother usually this occurs shortly after a bird hatches once the bond is established it is very hard to wipe out and it affects the way that baby birds learn social and survival skills imprinting is strongest in animals that leave the nest immediately after hatching such as ducks or chickens for this reason it seems that nature has developed this way to keep the young defenseless from defenseless birds from wandering too far from their mother's protection after a baby duck or chick hatches and opens its eyes it can it considers the first moving object it spots to be its mother it will follow that creature or thing around imitating it and learning its behavior such as how to find food and greet other animals in wood ducks the bond from imprinting is especially strong because of imprinting the babies recognize their mother's call these birds nest high in trees the mother waits for her ducklings to hatch and then flies to the ground where she calls up to her babies one by one they drop out of the nest plummeting up to 50 feet or 50 meter to the ground where they trust they will join their mother scientific tests show that if their biological mother 
isn't around during the imprinting period some birds will bond with other things a puppet held by a human a dog or even a little girl as is the case of Puggies in the 1996 film Fly Away Home No place like home For over 5000 years people have used certain birds to catch messages from one location to another The first such messengers were used by the Egyptians who bred homing pigeons because of their amazing navigational powers the egyptians learned that if you keep a homing pigeon at a home base and release it it will find its way back home from distances up to 600 miles or 966 km best of all it will travel non-stop at the speed of 45 to 50 miles or 72 to 80 km per hour that's practically the speed cars go on the freeway homing pigeons have carried some extremely important messages throughout history one message announced caesar's conquest of gaul another told of napoleon's defeat at waterloo How do homing pigeons do it? Scientists aren't exactly sure. Some think they use the sun's position and something called geomagnetism to navigate their way over long distances. Traces of an iron metal called magnetite have been discovered in the brains of pigeons. The metal helps them detect their place in relation towards a magnetic field in other words birds brains have a built-in radar that tells them how far away they are from home today the french military keeps homing pigeons on hand just in case normal lines of communication are destroyed and believe it or not Some modern hospitals have actually used homing pigeons to send blood and tissue samples to laboratories. Homing pigeons can avoid the traffic that can normally slow down the transport of such important cargo. Follow the lender. To us, the letter V may stand for victory, but to geese, V is for speed. If you have ever looked up to see a flock of geese in flight, you have probably noticed that they fly in a V-shaped formation. One goose leads, forming a point, and the rest of the geese fan out behind it into diagonal lines. This setup helps provide a windbreak by distributing air flow. Each bird controls it its movement by using the wind that flows off the wings of the bird in front of it. The formation also saves energy because each goose can rely on the wing of the birds in front of it to do same of the work. 
to do some of the work of course the leader doesn't get much help <coughs> that's why the geese take turns at flying in the lead spot but using the same amount of energy geese flying in formation can fly 71% farther than an individual goose this formation isn't just for the birds from the time squadrons of airplanes were first used in world war 1 human pilots have been flying the in the v formation after all what's good for the goose is good for the pilot bye bye buddy your favorite aunt wanda is a scientist she's traveling to the island of populus located off the coast of africa in the indian ocean to look into problems with a bird called the lando as well as some fancy tree called the frutola aunt wanda thinks taking you and one of your friends with her would be a great way for you to spend your winter break and you agree because it's a free trip and the idea of hanging out on the beach sounds like a good idea to get you ready for the trip aunt wanda lets you read some papers about the islands they were written by the first european people to live there dutch sailors the island descriptions are interesting and include drawings though you can tell from the paper that they are very very old according to this writing to these writings there is plenty of clear blue water and many of these large frutola trees which have a fruit that seem to fall on the ground when ripe there are, are no large animals that you may find in a forest just some grey birds the landos that walk along the miles of sand they are odd large and heavy looking with stubby wings compared to most birds you have seen you are impressed with how cool the island sounds and ready for some fun in the sun when you arrive in populus you are a bit surprised there are a lot of people living in small wooden homes they seem nice but their cats dogs goats rats and pigs are l- running loose you think that's a bit disgusting one of the locals tells you they like to stay true to their roots and live like their ancestors you tell your aunt that you are surprised to see so many people and so few of the trees and the birds that you remember from the drawings in fact you and your friend counted only 13 frutola trees around the island and there's not a lando in sight she tells you the people who live here are directed this and dance of the dutch sailors so 
They have loads of island history at their fingertips. The Lando and the Slutola are mentioned in many accounts, but you're right. There are no birds here and very few Slutola trees. In fact, these trees are all dying out. We know that these trees are just over 300 years old, but they are producing seeds and the fruits they drop. Yet, no new trees have grown in the last 300 years. As for the birds, these locals tell us that they actually became extinct in 1681. According to the legends passed down, the Lando was a large, flightless bird that the Dutch sailors found when they came here in 1507. My mission here is to find out what happened to the birds and the trees. Aunt Wanda seems very concerned and now you are too. Answer these questions so Aunt Wanda can relax. Where did the land of birds go? What did they eat while they were living on the island? Why are 13 rutola trees so old? Why are no new trees growing even though the old ones are producing fruit with seeds? Me has seen some of the most interesting creatures on this lonely island. Huge trees that bear fruit the likes of which I have never seen. Strange birds evacuating on the ground with claws that look as if they could tear a man apart birds that can't fly i so hope we can gather some specimens to live to living home otherwise no one will believe to bring home otherwise no one will believe our far fetched stories of these incredible creatures here is a drawing of past one of the creatures we have encountered on this island